Hi friends, jumping on before the start of the episode to ask for your help. Since I started this podcast four years ago, I have been dreaming of a place for us to gather, a place where we can practice some of the things that are shared here on the podcast, a place where you and I can meet gaze to gaze, heart to heart, and a place where we can share our experiences of enriching our lives through the wisdom of the body and expanding our pleasure through the wonder of the senses. I would love to hear your voice and your vision in writing this next chapter of Come to Your Senses. Go to schoolofsensualliving.com slash survey to contribute your ideas, give your feedback on which topics you burn with the most passion to hear about, and let's create a beautiful sanctuary together. Schoolofsensualliving.com slash survey. I will see you there. Hello, and welcome to the Come to Your Senses podcast. I'm your host, embodiment-based coach, Mary Lofgren. Here, we explore how to live bravely and beautifully through a lifestyle of embodiment. You'll hear gems to empower you around mindset, mindfulness, somatic psychology, and neuroscience, as well as beauty, food, style, and the art of slow living to meet your soul through the senses. I am so happy that you're here. Let's begin. Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome to Come to Your Senses. So I am fresh off the heels of a really beautiful, really impactful coaching session with a beloved client. And one of the themes and threads that presented itself in the session was the theme of compassion. And I am someone who is a recovering compassion resistor, (laughs) who for much of my life confused compassion with collapse and surrender with submission. And that led to a lot of tension and a lot of hardness inside my body, inside my heart, and essentially really held me back. Because our inner pusher, inner critic, the part that refuses compassion or sees compassion as a weakness, thinks it's helping us by pushing us harder and harder and harder. When in fact, one of the things that I imagine you might discover from today's episode is that compassion is a lubricant for flow. Compassion is like taking the tight ball of tension that utilizes adrenaline and pushing and the hard and allows it to soften and unravel. It's almost like it takes wire and turns it into loose yarn. And from that place, you know, in embodiment coaching sessions, this is really exactly what we do, is the body has its own ability to resolve frozen tension, emotional tension. And in doing so, new solutions and new opportunities and ways of being appear so that we can move forward with a deep core relaxation rather than a pitchfork of adrenaline at the back. And if you just do an experiment with me right now by taking your fist and holding a tight fist and just noticing how that feels and noticing how long you think you might be able to endure that, 
And now just stretching out the fist, maybe giving your fingers a little wiggle and holding your palm closed, but holding it in a way that feels relaxed. So noticing that there's still a bit of tension there, aliveness, because the palm is closed, but there is a relaxation. And I bet that this is a pose that you could hold for a bit longer. And that is a somatic experience of the way that I view and experience compassion, is a relaxation of the emotional, spiritual, and physical matrix and tissues so that more flow can happen in your life and therefore more can flow in and more can flow out. And so in today's episode, you are going to learn a few ways to bring more of this loose, open palm of compassion to your life and create more opportunities for flow, innovation, creativity, and relaxation. And where I'd love to begin is by actually sharing with you something brand new that I created this week called Lay Down Beauty. And it is a audio prayer poem. You can download it. It's only seven minutes long. And you can download it at schoolofsensualliving.com slash relax, R-E-L-A-X. It was born out of being on the internet at four in the afternoon when I was really tired and being barraged by ads and pop-ups of the five ways I'm screwing up my life and I don't even know it and the PDF that is the solution to all of my woes and a desire to just have something on the internet tell me that I'm beautiful and that I can lay down. And so I created something for you that was born out of that experience, which I know I'm not alone in. And essentially, this prayer poem and meditation is a way of just relaxing your body through the filter and the lens of deep compassion and welcoming in of what is here in your body and in your being and swapping out the lens of criticism or the lens of bypassing and replacing it with a lens of looking through the eyes of a rich, diverse kind of beauty that we all possess. And so schoolofsensualliving.com slash relax. I would be so delighted to share this with you, to hear your feedback on it. If you are moved by it, please share it with a friend, forward them the link, because it's just something I'd love to drop in the basket of anyone who is yearning for a bit more rest and a bit more affirmation of their wild and wonderful human beauty. And so compassion, I was just looking up the meanings, some of the words that are synonymous with compassion. And some of these words, I invite you to just let them land in your subconscious and on your skin, fellow feeling, empathy, understanding, pity, sympathy, ease. I remember once having a boyfriend and I was in a real premenstrual spiral 
And he was like, how can I show up for you? How can I support you? I said, you know, honey, a little sympathy would just feel so good right now. He replied by saying, well, you know, I can have empathy, but I don't, he thought that, I think he thought that sympathy was like insulting in some way, like feeling sorry for yourself, which got him met with an even more ferocious tidal wave (laughs) of my uh, hormonal experience. But I share that because somehow pity and sympathy have gotten, gotten a bad rap, but it can feel so good and so affirming for someone to just say, God, I'm so sorry this is happening. This must be so hard. I have no idea what you're going through right now, what this must feel like for you. And I'm here, you know. Anyway, that was a little bit of a digression, but I wanted to include that in case those words ring of a certain negative tone for you. And compassion is very akin to the process of what we call embodiment. When we are embodied, we are in a state of presence not just presence of the mind, but presence of the entire system. It's a felt sense of presence. And what is required in order to attain and arrive at that presence is the release of tension. So past experiences and future worries all create a quality of emotional and physical tension. And the body is incredibly wise and incredibly capable of moving this tension through, but it can only do that if it is permitted to feel the core feelings that are beneath that tension. What creates our suffering around emotions like fear or anger or sadness or excitement, you know, excitement can, can, even though it's a more desired feeling, can be uncomfortable and can be a lot for the system to take in. What creates our suffering is not the emotions themselves, but it is the denial of them, the correction of them, the attempts at fixing or suppressing, because strong feeling is often associated with a sense of being out of control. And what our emotions really crave the most, how they resolve so that we can have that embodied presence, is an experience of flow, where the river of sensation and feeling and aliveness is free of logs and stagnation. And logs and stagnation would just be another way of saying this, tension of resistance. You know this if you've ever been around a child who has had a toy taken away and they respond with a otherworldly kind of anguish that a few minutes later when the cheddar bunnies come out is completely relieved and they go back to being a sunshiny happy present little one because their brains are not fully developed yet to censor emotion and because they haven't been conditioned yet that emotion is not appropriate. And so how do we find this flow state? How do we safely and skillfully feel the feelings that we have been resisting? How do we open to compassion 
without confusing it with weakness or collapse or a bypass? Those are the questions that we will be examining now. And as always, with what's shared here, this is my personal lived experience as a coach and as someone who has been on the path of self-discovery for a long time. And I encourage you to hold them up to your own lived experience and see if they resonate with you as truth. So the first gem is one simple three-letter word, and that word is yes. To me, yes is a nice big round balloon of compassion. It instantly creates that warm honey at the bottom of a cup of hot tea comfort of compassion. To give you an example of that, the other night I was feeling really stressed and anxious and I hadn't done seated meditation in a while and I would have rather vomited (laughs) than do seated meditation, you know, in those moments where we need it the most and it will provide the most relief for usually the moments when it feels the least appealing. And how I think of seated meditation is like I do a lot to befriend my own mind in my spiritual and psychological practices. And that I think of as like brushing my teeth and seated meditation and being in silence with my own thoughts and my own feelings is kind of like flossing. It like really gets in there, you know. And as I sat down and closed my eyes and just started to become more present, I noticed that what I was feeling underneath the anxiety and the stress and the tension and the self-criticism was just like a deep bone aching loneliness and lonesomeness. And I think that there was a time, I know that there was a time in my life where I would feel that and it would stimulate a response of doing something about it. Well, let me make an appointment with a friend or let me see if I can go out on a date or let me do some other behavior that will help distract me or make it appear like I can fix this. And sometimes those behaviors and solutions are appropriate. But in this moment, I could tell that the quality of it was just like, yep, human, human loneliness. Doesn't matter how many fancy dinners I go out to. This is just a part of life. And so I met that loneliness and that lonesomeness with, yes, yes, sweetheart, of course you feel that way. Of course you feel lonesome right now. And went on to not list necessarily, but reflect on all the reasons why lonesomeness is a very appropriate feeling to be having in this particular moment of my life. And just that yes, oh my gosh, like I can feel the base of my heart just let down its roots as I reflect on that moment and reflect on the acceptance of my loneliness. One of the most impactful spiritual lessons I think I've ever learned was around radical acceptance and the truth that acceptance doesn't mean that I have to like something. It just simply means I stop fighting with it. And I use the energy that I was previously using to deny it or fix it or talk myself out of it or act myself out of it. 
And I use that energy to just accept it and hold it. And you may even be able to tell in the sound of my voice, there is this relaxation and openness that happens where now all of a sudden there's even more energy to just simply go about my life in a state of flow as I am. And so that first gem is that one simple word when you're feeling uncomfortable sensations or emotions or thoughts. Just simply, yes, yes, yes. The next gem is something that a therapist said to me once when I was stuck in a cognitive distortion of all or nothing black and white thinking. So cognitive distortions are a name that we give to those moments where we are seeing things through extremes. It's like, I never do this, or I never have this, and I always do this, or I, you know, always have this issue, whatever. And there's an inability to see that there's a spectrum and a continuum, and we can only see things through the opposites of those perspectives in that spectrum. And a therapist said to me, you know, Mary, I don't think that the answer to extreme darkness is extreme light. I think that the answer to either is finding the gray. And that really impacted me because at the time I was in a deep state of depression and sadness and hopelessness. And there is nothing more defeating to a depressed person than the pressure to be happy (laughs) and the pressure to be grateful It's a pretty tall ask, but the opportunity to see things through not an opposite, but just a more balanced viewpoint allows for the flow of a little bit of compassion. And so one of the worksheets that we do in embodied intelligence coaching, that's one of our core practices, is a worksheet around core beliefs. And this is a cognitive behavioral therapy technique and dialectical behavioral therapy technique, which helps gets us, get us out of those extreme ways of thinking. I won't go into the whole process here, but really it's a way of looking at the evidence. So for example, if my core belief is I am dirty and rotten and I suck on the inside. Okay, well, let's examine that. Let's list a few pieces of evidence as to why that might be true. Usually the inner critic can supply us with all sorts of evidence, but I recommend limiting it to one to three pieces of evidence. And then what is the more balanced belief? So maybe the balanced belief is not, I am love and light embodied, you know, this kind of opposite side of the spectrum, but maybe it's just like, I'm really struggling but this won't last forever. And now looking at pieces of evidence as to why that might be true. Another thing you can do is you can take the evidence of I'm dirty, rotten on the inside. You know, it's a very extreme belief, but when we look at these core beliefs, they often are very extreme. And the evidence for that, is there an alternative way of viewing that evidence? Because when we're stuck in that either or thinking, it's like there's only two options. Either I'm good or I'm bad. Either I'm shameful or imperfect. And the more balanced way of looking at it is there are other options. 
there are other perspectives. And sometimes it just takes that possibility that there's a third or a fourth way of looking at one's life situation to open up a little bit of a window for fresh flow and fresh air and a state of compassion to come through, which I believe is the origin point of all healing and resolution of these trauma-induced negative self-beliefs. So finding the gray, or how I like to call it, is finding the golden hour. Golden hour is like when I think about when I see God, what we call God, it's like that light at four or five in the afternoon, which is just this perfect blend of the warmth of the day and the coming of the darkness of the night that creates this beautiful golden sparkle. And the final gem that I want to share with you is something that for the purposes of today, we'll call kitchen floor moments. And this is about having compassion for self, but also having compassion for others. So as a coach, I am very, very privileged to see the often hidden parts of people's lives and people's subconscious. And there's this wonderful, glorious song by Alanis Morissette called Her. Highly recommend. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And it starts out, I am on the floor. I am in my kitchen. This place is so familiar on my knees. And here's the truth, everybody. I've been doing coaching work and facilitation for 10 years. I've been working in the embodied arts and the healing arts for 20 years. Everybody has their kitchen floor moments. I've cried on my kitchen floor, on my bathroom floor, on my bedroom floor, on many, many occasions. And I would wager that you have too. And so when I am feeling intimidated by someone or I am feeling frustrated by someone, one of the things I'll do is imagine them in their kitchen floor moments. You know, we are all wonderfully vulnerable and wonderfully imperfect and adorably scared of something on the inside. And usually that something is our own thoughts and our own beliefs at their core. You know, I have some very real lived experience of seeing that with the people that I work with and just having been on my own healing journey, seeing that in my friends and fellow travelers on the path. And I think the most harmful lie we are taught is that there is anyone on earth who doesn't have kitchen floor moments. This myth that there's someone or somewhere out there where we can escape the vulnerability and the beautiful, exquisite, heart-achingly real experience of being alive as a human being even though we might not call it beautiful and exquisite when we're in it. And that was one of the reasons that I created this prayer poem is for kitchen floor moments or for the moments that precede that moment and follow that moment is an opportunity to see yourself in your fullness of your humanity and just how lovable you are in that spot and how deserving you are of pleasure and of rest and of simply laying down to be. So that brings our gems to a close. The velvet pouch drawstrings are pulled 
And thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so delighted to receive a review on iTunes or an even deeper compliment you can offer me is to share this podcast with a friend. If embodied intelligence coaching is something that perked your ears in today's episode, I will be taking on new coaching clients in June. You can join the waitlist for that at schoolofsensualliving.com slash coaching, where when we do open the program, you'll receive a special invitation for a subscriber-only savings. And thank you so much for being here. I love you. I'm grateful for you. And I will see you in the next episode. For coaching, classes, and community in creating a lifestyle of embodiment, head to schoolofsensualliving.com. There you'll find a free video series on how to reduce anxiety and intercept the stress response through powerful, confident body language. Head to schoolofsensualliving.com slash confidence to watch your first video today.